Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Portable Church Industries over at portablechurch.com. So I'm getting ready to plan a church again. And here's the deal. Uh, the most valuable resource you have is people. So the important thing to remember is it's worth making an investment in the people that are serving your team, your setup, your teardown, all of that. And Portable Church has actually made that a whole heck of a lot easier so that you're looking after your greatest resource, your people. Make the setup and teardown of your church easy, logical, and play a game of Tetris when you're packing up and unpacking. And trust me, that will pay out dividends to your church plant in a way you never expected before. Again, head on over to PortableChurch.com. And remember, if we don't believe in it, we're not going to tell you about it. PortableChurch.com. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, and I am on the road. This is a car cast. Where are you going today? Well, it's a funny thing you should ask that. I'm on my way to a meeting with Larry Osborne, which I just said to impress you. And then uh, from there, I'm going to be in Carlsbad for a couple nights, and then i got to fly to Atlanta. So, yeah, it's going to be a, it's a weird little thing. Then I had to pack for like two separate places in one suitcase. Yeah, see, that would be impressive to me if I had any idea who that was, but I really don't, so it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> you wrote a rad book called uh, Sticky Teams. Um, yeah, he's he's had some really cool uh, stuff that he's done. So, yeah, man. So, uh, you know, we were talking about our podcast the other day and how we do afternoon podcasts. We're kind of... Uh, 
when we do the afternoon podcast, we're kind of like SpongeBob and uh, Patrick when they go to the Goofy Goober ice cream parlor and they've had too much ice cream and they're like, they're, they're ice cream drunk. They're not drunk, but they've had too much. They have like ice cream hangover. And they've got the whiskers and they're singing songs. And that's how I feel we do afternoon podcasts. So although this is a car cast for me, um, it's a morning podcast. You got to give it that. That's got to count for something. Yeah, and I just like all of our listener to know, you know, singular, that uh, I don't watch SpongeBob, so I have no idea what you're talking about with that whole analogy. Dude, SpongeBob the movie. I went to a movie theater up in uh, Oregon that served you food while they showed you the movie. And it was the old, like, kind of pub layout where it was, like, you know, giant bar tables. And it was like a pub with a movie theater in it. They were showing SpongeBob the movie. And uh, the Hoff was in it, David Hasselhoff. Had a lot of bald jokes, so it was kind of a win. Well, I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I got no comment on. On that, unfortunately. I, you need to watch a Spongebob movie, that's all I'm saying. I don't, you need to get a little Spongebob in your life, Pete. I don't think I do. You have kids, you have an excuse. You know, I finally had an excuse to watch cartoons when I had kids. Well, I will say this. Kids have been a great excuse for me to do and get a lot of the things that I couldn't. Like, I always wanted to go to Legoland, <laughs> but you can't go to Legoland unless you got kids. Otherwise, you're oh, called man. a pedophile. So I could never go until I had kids. Now, I love going to Legoland. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of weird people walking around Disneyland. You don't see that so much at Legoland, but there's a bunch of weird people walking around Disneyland like, oh, I love Disneyland. And it does, you get a creepy feel off of it. Like, where are these dudes walking around here with no families? Yeah, so... So, and then Legos themselves, I mean... My family was too poor growing up, so we didn't really... I mean, we had, like, a box of Legos, but they weren't... I'm not even sure they were actually Legos. They might have been Legos. No, back in our day, Pete, you would get donated someone's bag of Legos, secondhand Legos. Yes. You'd have this big bag, and it would have, like, pieces cannibalized from once legitimate Lego sets. But now you're like, huh, I have a fire truck ladder. And I have a, uh, you know, a, a piece of the space station, and that looks like it might have been something from a pirate set. But yeah, you had, but then you had a bunch of the generic like green, red, yellow, and blue blocks, and they were just all there. Yeah. And and, and pieces like when they came up with like the prefab walls, we just wall. You just put wall down. You know, like you're like, what's that from? Because yeah, you you just got people secondhand Legos, man. That's the way it worked. And remember the old school Lego figures where you had like a giant round head and they had like these weird connector pieces for the arms like octopuses? Because before they had the little Lego no, that they made the movie with. No, and the reason is we were too poor for even that stuff. Our second hand was more like third and fourth hand. So, oh, yeah. wow, man. They, it wasn't even like, a, hey, let's give it to the pastor's family, you know, like they take junk. It was, it was like, yeah, no, this is too good for the best. You would have, have to assume have that there were... Four revolutions with, with other poor children. There were no families with kids in my church. Uh, well, see, that was the problem. So, you know, yeah. So that. so the question is, Pete, have you bought the Death Star yet? 
Because if I were a man of means like you, I would own the Death Star. Well, funny funny you should ask. Uh, No, I haven't. And part of the reason... There's two reasons. One, Luke would really like One that. One was you were debating giving to Refuge Long Beach after I tapped you the other day. No, that actually, oh, okay. uh, the, the debate hasn't even raged in my head. You did send me the picture and say, hey, looks like Refuge has some kidney love this month. <laughs> you did send me a picture of it, so I'm just saying. Well, I don't think it was a Death Star. Wasn't it the Millennium Falcon? It was the Millennium Falcon, you're right. Isn't it like 400 bucks for like the Death Star, though? I mean, that's no. That's a chunk of change. But the Millennium crazy. Falcon was 800 so I, I, wouldn't the Death Star be more than that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, all I know is... Uh, 800 they're joking. Luke There's really... Legos over at the factory. Man. Luke would really like the Death Star because it's in Spider-Man. So he'd really like it because of that. It's I, in, wait, what? It's in Spider-Man? Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Don't you remember? Oh, he has it. Oh, that's right. They're building. And then they that's he right. drops it and he breaks it. That's right. Yeah. So I the reason why I um, I don't I don't want something like that is the larger the Legos are, the less fun it is for me, and the more of a job it is for me. Right. And right. like Jamie got me for I don't know Christmas or my birthday one of those. BB-8, and it was over a thousand pieces. It was like, I don't know, 1,200 pieces or something. And I literally like put it off for months because I was like, I don't want to do this. This is just a job. And then I was like, Luke really wanted to do it one day. So I'm like, look, we're going to do this over a minimum of three days. Right. And yeah, because it it takes away the fun when it's that big. Well, I got to say, I build Legos with Liberty. They, now, she's a girl, but they do all happen to be Star Wars Legos. <laughs> so, uh, I would like the Batcave, but anyways, she's taken now to buying Daddy Legos, which is kind of cool, because nice. Andrew will get me some for Christmas, but then she'll be like, oh, the kids got you this. She'll let them pick out. They're stuck in Star Wars Legos right now. So, this is working out really well for me, but, uh, you know, Death Star and Millennium Falcon, I do not have. Yeah. But what I have, I give you, Father. And, and and what it tends to be is something like the, trying to remember the last one. We got the the really cool one where they, they you lower uh, Han Solo into the freezing chamber. I have that one. Yeah, we did that one until Luke destroyed it. Yeah, I have the most Isley Cantina. That one's legit. Um, we don't have the most Isley. We've got the uh, the... The Mao or the priest, whatever her name was. The priest. The the, the lady who'd been alive for a thousand years in uh in the oh, Force Awakens. The orange one with the goggles. Yeah. I hate her. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We had we had hers until we destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's funny, man, because you know, I like I like uh I don't know, man. I I, I like. I, I like the simpler Legos. I get your point, but I still think it would be like the Mount Everest of Legos to build that Death Star with my child. Maybe that's maybe that's the angle I go for with Andrew. You know, the ultimate bonding experience. Because that's how Andrew sees it. Andrew's like, this is quality time. This is for you. So I've I've taken to uh, teaching Liberty how to paint miniatures because that's something I used to do like 20 years ago for fun, man. Which is a total nerd hobby. 
And I haven't touched this thing in like 20 years. And I pulled it out the other day. And Liberty's like, Dad, I'd love to do that. We're in, we're in uh, the UK. And we walked past this place called Games Workshop. And uh, she got all into it. And I was like, hey, 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 let's work out. You know? Could, uh, so we invested in a couple paint, paint sets for her. So the other day we sat down we did some painting. And uh, all I'm saying is it works out really well. When you find the hobby that you're like, I like doing this, and it just it just makes you look good to do hobbies with your kids that you do without your kids. Yeah. So uh, last night was the Fourth of July. What'd you do? <sighs> I didn't do anything that fun, man. I mean, I did family stuff. It was cool. Did you light off but, fireworks? I don't even know if they're legal where you were at. No, dude. I went to. Uh, you know, let the professionals handle it kind of place. Uh, and uh, Laguna Hills sat on a blanket in a park with thousands of other people. Um, walked over there. I, I was at my brother-in-law's. He's a block away. So nothing exciting. How about you, man? So last night we went to my mother-in-law's house. She lives in a, a little city called Lakewood. And for our listeners who were outside of California or perhaps even the country. They may not uh, know or understand this. Uh, California is what we like to refer to as a communist state. Uh, We are not a free state by any means. And um, as such, we don't have the good fireworks, otherwise known as firecrackers. If it blows up or shoots in the air, they are illegal in the entire state of California. Yeah, it's crazy. So all we got are what are called the safe and sane fireworks. You got sparklers running around the garden? Yeah, and you can't even have the metal sparklers. Like, they got to be some other type of sparkler because too many kids have burned their hands. So, uh, they're legal in Lakewood. They're not legal where we live, but they're legal in Lakewood. So, we drove over to my mother-in-law's house. Now, um, about, about 13, maybe 14 years ago, we were living in Bellflower. And all of a sudden, one morning... There was a huge boom. It shook our house, shook us, woke us up, and there was a guy in Lakewood, so another city over, whose entire garage was filled with all the good stuff, the illegal stuff, and it exploded. So, yeah, and it shook, and we were, you know, miles away in a whole other city. And it woke us up and shook our house. Like, that's how much of a boom. Like, blew the house off the foundation, the works, right? And um, so before that, Lakewood was like a war zone on the 4th of July. It just, anything you can imagine, it was going off and the cops looked the other way. After the guy's house exploded, which wasn't even around 4th of July. Like, it was a totally different time of year. He, you know, he just stocks up and, and had it, right? Um after that, it was like they brought out the helicopters, they had cops walking the streets, and so none of the good stuff came out. Well, last night, it reverted back to being a war zone. Like, the illegal stuff was going off like crazy. We're at my mother-in-law's house, and uh, there's a family friend who rents out uh, you know, the, the garage, and um, he's in construction, and so he had bought, like a couple of years ago, he had bought a, a box of of fireworks that were from Arizona. So it was all the good stuff, right? Cause Arizona is a free state. They got all the good stuff. And uh, so, you know, he's sending up the mortars and I'm, I'm enjoying watching them 
And he offers me, you know, hey, do you want to light one of these off? And I'm like, no, because I'm thinking, you know, I, 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 I really worked hard, as you guys know, to get my concealed carry weapons permit. And I'm like, I'm not screwing up my permit, right? Because this would be considered an unwise decision and they could yank it from me. And, right. and plus, I'm carrying I mean, you know, we're in a war zone. I'm, I'm carrying and I don't want the cops coming over to me and, you know, and then I got to tell them, by the way, I got a firearm on me and all this other, right? So I'm like, dude, you go for it. I'm just enjoying watching and I'm firing off the, the safe and sane fireworks, as they call it. And, um, so there was a bit of a wind last night where we were. And so he, he's taping most of them down to, to make sure that they don't, you know, go yeah. in the wrong direction. And then he chooses this one and he doesn't tape it down. And all of a sudden, man, it flies over on its side and it's like shooting everywhere, dude. It is shooting the neighbor's car. The neighbors across the street got like 20 people on their lawn. It's shooting them. It like whirls around. And I kid you not, dude, it is like aiming directly at Luke. And all I could think is, oh, crap. Right. So I quickly just just step in front of him. Block him. Are you talking like Roman Candle? Oh, no. The Roman Candle ones were stupid. I mean, I was like, look, Roman Candles are meant to be held in your hand and shooting your friends. That's what Roman Candles are for. Of course they are. These are like some of the bigger ones that shoot up in the air and blow up and stuff. And uh, and so fortunately, it, it had run out like that even though it was facing Luke and then therefore me because I I just I I sacrificed my body. I ran in front of him. It, it was out, right? It was out. It was done. And so But it still looked good. It was kinda like me with the hobby thing. It just looked good that you It actually it made me feel good. I was like, okay, good. So that is my first instinct is <laughs> to take care of my kid. I wasn't sure. I'm like, I'm such a selfish little prick. I don't know what I would do. So I was kind of I was for me it was like a hand on the back, pat on the back moment. I'm like, Good job, Pete. The longer we're friends, the more disrespect for each other grows. <laughs> I'm just, I was happy, right? I was happy that that was my first instinct. So, uh, um, so uh, then. A mixture, a mixture of, of pride and horror <laughs> is going through for me at the same time. This is a, this is a beautiful summary of our friendship. <laughs> I was happy though. This was a good thing. This isn't bad. Oh, this is wonderful. I, I just, just. It's just that it was a question. That's all. Well, of course it was. I'm, dude, I'm such a selfish prick most of the time. I have no idea, right? Until I'm faced with that moment. So, so, uh, so then the, one of the neighbors from across the street, I don't, I don't know if he lives there. I don't think he does, but it's just big black guy. He, he comes walking across the street and, uh, he asked me, he goes, Hey, what happened with that last firework? And he's, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, don't look at me. I'm safe and sane. Ask him, like right? On purpose. I'm, I'm like, dude, go talk to him. And, and my buddy's like, yeah, we're taping him down now. That was, it, it, we didn't realize we needed to tape that one down. Like, I was like, okay, that's cool. And I was just like, dude, I'm not getting in trouble for this, man. I did not, but you know, why are you approaching me? I'm not the one firing them off. Go talk to the other guy. And, uh, and then literally right when, uh, my buddy went out there to go light, you know, one of the, the big ones, an unmarked cop car goes driving down the street. Oh, no. Right next to them all. 
And I'm like, dude, you know who that is, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. So it was it was interesting, man. It was interesting. It was a war zone in Lakewood last night. This was the biggest f- dilemma for me last night was creme brulee or fresh peach pie. I mean, I guess. Wow, man. Yeah, we, we lived in two completely worlds. Oh, dude, different worlds last night. Well, what's funny is um, when we first moved to Bellflower. We bought our home and moved in in July and we moved in like a week after the 4th of July and it's like it's maybe only 2 miles away from my mother-in-law's house. Dude, what are you doing? Me? Yes. Getting out of my car. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, is it loud for you? You think? No, I I'm I'm not you. I Is, so, is someone backing up there? Is someone backing up around you? Uh, he's like, he's the other side of the parking lot. Can you hear that? Here, I'll mute myself. Carry on, brother. So my our, our house in Bellflower was like two miles away from my mother-in-law's house. And so it was one fourth of July, right before we moved in. We're like, hey, let's just go drive by our new house because, you know, we don't get to move in until next week. We go drive and buy it. And we're like, where are we moving to? Because it was a hundred times worse in Bellflower than it was in Lakewood. It was just, it was insane. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We only lasted in that. Moved there. This is before you moved there. It's a week before out. we moved in. Oh, man. I mean, we'd already bought it. So escrow well, closed a week later. Kinda, isn't Bellflower kind of like the nice part of Long Beach? I mean, Bellflower? No. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. No. No, man. I, I went to downtown Bellflower years ago. They Dude, Bellflower like- sounds like a pretty place in the same way Hawaiian Gardens. Sounds like a pretty place. <laughs> That's true, and they're not far from each other. No, funny, they are. They're all kind of in the rough, like vicinity. But like, I always think of like Bellflower as an extension of North Long Beach. So I don't, I don't think of it as like a. I think it was kind of nice. Like, well, but North Long, Long Beach. Beach isn't nice either. What are you talking that's what about? I'm saying. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. But as opposed to like downtown Long Beach, North Long Beach, you know what I'm saying? No. No, they no. There's a reason we left after living in that house for two years. We were like, okay, that's it. We're out of here. Boink. Yeah. And took yeah. off. Took off and never looked back. Hey, man, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, but uh, man, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got nothing to say, man. Come I can on, tell. Baby. I can tell you're too busy going wherever you're going. Instead of being present for the podcast. No, that's not true, man. I'm actually biding time. My meeting don't start for 30 minutes, so I'm just chilling, walking around. I just, hey, man, I just always assume Bellflower is a little bit nicer because it wasn't in the heart of Long Beach. Yeah, it's not. No. <laughs> not even close. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get into our topic. Uh, Doc? Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So uh, here's today's topic for everyone. I know you've been wondering why I didn't bring this up earlier, because uh, I wouldn't let Peyton talk about the topic he wanted to talk about. So he said, okay, you got to choose. So here's my topic for you, which, Mr. Which Jones. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. So this is, this is going to be kind of like Jeopardy. You know, well, it's actually a good one. Planning, it's a good one. Okay, so let's say we got someone starting out their church plant. And, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're still in that, that planning stage or, or they've got one up and running. 
but they have no musical talents themselves and they've got no one to lead worship. So like their spouse isn't leading worship because that's what a lot of guys do. Oh, my wife will, (laughs) she'll sing and everyone will listen, you know, like they're done that. Yeah. Right. So like that's out of the picture. How important is that worship time? And what do you do? Oh gosh, man. Well, okay. So if you guys know, the podcast at all unless you're brand new here um if you've got the hi i'm new here sticker on your shirt um you won't know that we actually um covered uh you know how to mix up the worship time so it doesn't have to be 30 minutes of singing but you do want some kind of proclamation you know praise worship something like that so um it it is important where did you walk into? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh my gosh! Are you in the bathroom? Come on, be I'm honest. I'm not. I'm not. I just walked into a hallway. Yeah, you did. I walked back out. There we go. <laughs> so our podcast just gets more and more quality every episode. You like that? You like that? You know, it's funny because I was talking to someone this week about our podcast, and uh, they just said, "Man." Well, you guys just screw around. You know, on one hand, it's serious, but on the other hand, you don't take it super serious. It's not like you're trying to be famous. He's like, we need that, man. We need that levity. We need that laughter. We need that. We just need to not take it so seriously. So, mission accomplished. So, yeah, you know, what do you do? I've heard everything from guys putting on, like, backing tracks to singing a cappella to... Um, Hiring people out, you know, hiring other uh, worship leaders to come in to help you out. Like, that's one thing for me that I, I still kind of, I, I don't understand why people don't get visiting worship leaders. Like, if you come to Refuge Long Beach almost every other week, there's a visiting worship leader. Sometimes there's a guy, we got a guy named Paul Duke. He typically leads prison uh, worship services. He comes in once a month. Then we got another guy who comes and gives our worship team a break so that they can, um, they'll back him, but they don't got to, he comes with everything ready. He leads it. They might be there just doing a little bit of background stuff. It'll be like a thin down worship band. And then we got our full worship team that does every other week. You know, I called up once a school worship, um, that's in the area because we're in Southern California. We're in Long Beach. They're all in Costa Mesa. I think they're too scared to come over. But uh, the Calvary Chapel School of Worship, I called them up and said, "Hey guys, you you, you want to? You know, there's more of you than than that want to play than churches that what have you come play with us because it's trying to give our worship leader a break back then. I mean, there's always that that in in any church, there's always the cheesed off worship people that are second stringers." Or, you know, it, it, it's really simple. Just talk to the worship leader and say, hey, do you have anyone who's kind of waiting in the wings that's like your backup person that I could borrow every once in a while? It doesn't even have to be every week. They don't have to make the move to your church. You can just get them to come a little bit. You follow? I do. I do. That's very helpful. You know, what's interesting, too, is at Long Beach, I remember when, when we were going there, um, there was one group that came in that was really, really bad. And I mean, it was like, Jamie was like, wow, this is bad. And I'm like, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm tone deaf. I wasn't sure. I mean, I thought it was bad, but she's saying it's bad. I know it's bad. What do you do when that happens? 
Like where you're like, hey, they really want to volunteer. They really want to help out. They'd, they'd maybe even make the move and start coming to your church, but they're not good. La Sheep Shepherd. La Sheep Shepherd. Come in, over. Oh, sorry, dude. I had you on mute. Hello. Can you hear me? El Doctor. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, you know, that guy that you're talking about, sorry. I, I, I don't think you even know who I'm talking about because you weren't there then. I know. I know who you're talking about. No, I was there. No, you weren't. You well, you had already depends. moved on. Okay. Now there are a couple people. So I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm there gonna are a couple. I'm sure. I'm right. I'm sure. No, this is great because it's good for people to know that we've all had some bad experiences for sure. <clears throat> so one of them was now this guy. I actually really liked. Him. He 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 was a. Uh, I asked someone, "Hey, can, hey, is this music in the background really loud?" No, but I mean, we can hear kids can screaming hear or whatever. Because just picture I'm talking and dancing at the same time. Nice. I'm like busting out some moves while I'm doing the podcast. But yeah, you know, there was one guy, and, and the guy who recommended him, remember how I told you we had an EV free and they were sending people over to us like every month? Um, they were sending a team. And, and I said, hey, do you got any worship people? And he goes, well, we do have this one guy. <laughs> it was kind of like... Yeah, we we kind of you know, and he started giving me all these warnings about him. Yeah. Well, he came. Do you remember him? Where he goes? I've got. He comes, and this sounds so cheesy, everybody, but it was fascinating because all the church people are like, "This guy is so corny," and all of the unsaved people dug him, and he was spirit filled. Remember the guy? He comes and he goes, "I'm, I'm, I'm." wearing my red shirt today or i'm wearing this shirt and you start off talking about what he's wearing you start talking about his shirt i remember so a guy talking about his shoes okay i don't know if that's the same dude but he starts talking about you know my shirt's red because you know this and that so i can kind of like valentine like i'm going on a on a date you know blah 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 and it's you know and and he i think he started talking about date with jesus <laughs> He's like, I'm uncomfortable. But anyways, yeah, he was a little off key. But what he was doing was he was talking in between the songs and really connecting. Mm. And I remember watching the unbelievers getting so into it because he was setting up the songs in a way where it absolutely made sense to everybody. He would give the background or he would give almost like a little devotional. And the thing that the guy warned me about is he said, he's going to talk a bunch and we have to tell him to be quiet. So afterwards, I went back to my friend and said, he was rad. Like, I, I get that, you know, if you're leading a bunch of Christians, because all of our Christians are like, oh, man, he was so corny. I said, but did you watch? I've never seen these people. There was like, we had at that time, we were in the school. Like there were probably like 10, 15 unbelievers sitting in the first couple rows. And I don't know if you remember that family. Um, his name was John and he lived in Long Beach. Like they could walk to the church from where they're at. Anyways, like they had brought people for the first time and some of the food cart people, remember the, um, the feeding team people and they went off on that, whatever food truck show, you know, um, I remember you uh, talking about that. Yeah. 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 
so some of those people were there and uh we had the one girl she was like african-american puerto rican she had the really big hair crazy hair she looked kind of cool do you remember her yeah i do yeah yeah so and she had come and she remember she used to bring like a bunch of people with her they were all like super into it i'm like huh this is a, a like he split the room but i was like i'll have this guy any day because I've never seen John and his family worship. They always just sat there. They were worshiping. And I was like, this is truly leading worship. So anyways, that was one guy, but he was off key. The Christians didn't like him. And uh, what I if they're, you see, I see to me, I can hang with that, right? Because it's all about reaching lost people. What about when they're not good musically? Right. Like, they're okay. not good. So they can't hold a tune. They're they're not good on the guitar. Or maybe they play songs like way too slow that are not meant to be yeah. played that slow. So there was a team that came. He played. Yes, you're right. I was not there. It was a dude. And he played. And then they came maybe a month later. And he wanted to come regularly and be our worship leader. Do you remember? I, and- I remember... I remember a team, yes, and I'm not. I don't want to. I, I don't want to point anything him. out that would make anyone no, no. feel awkward. So I'm going to leave it well, at. I remember a I, team. I'm sure he doesn't listen because he was really mad because I had to take him aside. And and this is, it's a bit like Shark Tank. Mister Wonderful says you're not doing anybody any favors here. You're not. You're not helping them. I had to take him aside. Mm. So man, I really appreciate the part, but you know we're we're going to keep. You know, I, I'm going to ask that, you know, you not join the rotation. He goes, why? And I go, well, I just think, you know, we, we it's a different. And he goes, what do you mean? Like, why? And and he kept pressing me. And I finally said, brother, you're putting me in a hard position, but guys just aren't good. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to, yeah. like, you know, he was trying to serve the Lord, but I, right. I said, man, you're. It's really hard to listen to this worship, and you just don't. I, I've tried to let him. Hey, you don't really fit Long Beach, you know. You don't, because you remember, like, I remember going into the, the local coffee shop, tagging a few guys. Hey, man, tell me about Long Beach. Tell me, tell me what I go. Hey, tell me about the musical taste of Long Beach. Um, what are people into? And the guy looked at me, and he goes, "Well, this is Long Beach." You got to speak up, man. I don't know what's happening to your line. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah, you know, I said, tell me about the musical taste in Long Beach. And he goes, well, dude, this is Long Beach. Like, <clears throat> we're into everything here. Like, and if you look back, like, you know, rap, hip hop, um, you know, uh, there was a punk scene in Long Beach. Like, everything's come out of Long Beach. And he was right. Long Beach is it's very versatile in its musical taste. It's very eclectic. So you can get away with almost anything. I don't know that country music has ever really made a dent in Long Beach. I, I would doubt that. But jazz, there's a huge jazz. Like, there's all kinds of different music. Rock, I mean, there's nothing that hasn't come out of Long Beach. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah, kind of... Straight uh, out of Long Beach. Yeah, so you... <laughs> straight out of Long Beach. But yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of good things that come out of Long Beach. And we were just, you know, I'm trying to tell this guy in a way he doesn't fit the context of Long Beach, which, you know, it, w- it wasn't exactly true. So I finally just had to tell him, brother, you just, 
it's just hard. It's just hard to to listen to you lead. And he got mad. And I said it nicely, but I, you know, and then I heard from the bro, oh, he's mad because you said, and, you know, and, and I said, hey, I was trying to let him down gently, but he kept pressing, you know. And, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not a musician, so I probably could have really helped him. In right. time. Well, you know, brother, when you're, you know, on the, the fret and the, you know, I don't know all that stuff. So, you know, when you're playing the chords, I, I, I don't know. That's, you know can't keep the beat. I don't know. So, I mean, like, because how many times have we heard church planners go, oh, yeah, I'm learning how to play the guitar. <laughs> right. <laughs> because right. they're like, we got no one else to lead worship. Which, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's awesome. By the way, one who, thing that we never do. Who just did the cat call say, whistle? One thing that we never do is we never say things like, um, hey, everybody, um, is anyone here playing? Like, we never do that from the front. Because, again, we're worried about getting that guy who says, um, hey, I can play and he's terrible. And then we have to have an uncomfortable conversation. Sure. We're, we're trying to eliminate. But there are people sitting in the congregation who are amazing guitarists, instrumentalists. But see, I'm talking about what if you got a church plant? Like, they're still in someone's house. There's like six of them. Right. right? You know? It's not, it's I, not as know, easy as, house, like, even I Long Beach. I wouldn't worry with, about a guitar. I wouldn't even worry. I'd just be like, let's just sing this. You know, it's, it's really cool. My favorite type of worship is when you're in a prayer meeting and someone spontaneously breaks out in the song. And what I would do in that case is I would start fostering that kind of worship atmosphere where you're literally not, it's not planned, it's not now's the time which we sing songs about Jesus, I would say, no, you you discuss, you pray, and out of the overflow of that, praise erupts. You close your sermon by singing an acapella, you know, Amazing Grace. You sing, you know, you, you, you got to teach people, or you say, hey guys, I want to teach you one. I'm going to sing it, you repeat it after me, and then we'll take it from there, we'll run through, I'll lead it. And boom, boom, boom. Um, it's to me, it's the best way. Yeah. And of course, you got to keep in mind that I've got uh, a background where I've been in more—I wouldn't say charismatic circles, but I've definitely been in more charismatic church plants. And so, I've never been a part of the Pentecostal charismatic movement ever. And yet, I've had charismatic, you know, tight churches that I've planted just because the Spirit turned up and decided He wanted to do miracles and. Um, you know, bust out prophecies and gifts, and we're cool with that. You know, so I, I would just say foster that. And I, I, I think you you teach people more about what worship is. It's a response. You know. Yeah. As far as the uh, so, I mean, in a in a living room setting, in a home, I think that's the easiest. But once you get to the place where you're going to hit the congregation, now you're talking a whole different animal. Mm. You know, then then you kind of do need something, unless you want to just have acapella worship. I, backing tracks to me, it just it it exudes cheese. You know, it's just uh, it's high on the corn factor. Um, it's funny. Um, I've been in services where they go, "Hey, we don't have um, a worship leader this morning. We're just gonna." I, I showed up to that once. And they tried, and people just sat there like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And they're trying to encourage people to sing, and it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel 
didn't feel organic. So people just sat there like, okay. And they put a video up on the screen. So people watched. It was almost like watching a worship MTV video. And people just sat there and watched the professional and watched the video. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, funny enough, when you do, um, when you are church planning, and let's say <sighs> most people aren't going to do their their church in the park in the open air. Refuge was kind of unique in that sense. That one, we didn't care. <laughs> it's like we don't have money for a building. We're we're paying the twenty five dollar permit fee, and we're doing it in the park. Get off our back, right? Um, but the music that you play, that you do as a church, can attract the crowd. Can attract people who are walking by when you're doing open air stuff. And I, I do think it is. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I think you need to think about your music too, in the context of the community that you're reaching. And um, and it may not be the music that you loved when you went to your sending church because um, it just, it, it may not like it, it, it might need to be a different flavor, if you will, a different flair to it um, and a different beat even to attract people in that community. Like I've made no secret on this podcast. I can't stand praise music. Like it, it's nails on a chalkboard to me. And I know everyone's like, no, I love my praise music. Hillsong's the greatest. And I'm like, dude, it's nails on a chalkboard to me. I can't stand it. Um, if someone right. were trying to attract me as I was walking by in a park, that would not like that would repel me. Yeah. But I, I think too, back to a, an interview we did with Derwin Gray, you know, this has been now a few years and, and he was talking about their music and he's like, look, you know, we've got a good mix of, uh, the black community, the Latino community, the white community. He's like, our music's got a little bit of, of, uh, flair to it from the Latino side. And, and I mean, it was like, it was like they had almost like their own music that they were utilizing and it, and it worked in their context. And I just think that's also something that people need to consider. You know, it's, it's not, it's okay to use music that you haven't been used to. Let me just leave it at that. Let me just throw it out there like that. You know? Yep. Yep. You know, <clears throat> the the thing that I think we got to realize with music is music is a, a it, it is a universal tool that brings people together. It can also alienate and separate and divide people, but um, you're right. I mean, music music has inherently within it a God-glorifying aspect. So uh, a lot of times we'll hear things like, oh, you know, just trying to play the great worship band. Because it can be a gimmick, I think people have grown, at, at least I have, a little more distrustful of it. Um, but it's not a bad thing. And I think we got to be careful not to, you know, just to point out what you're, what you're bringing up, that it can really bring people in. Um, you, you and I have talked before that, um, having non-believers on the worship team, that always turns out very positively for us. Um, we'll have unbelievers on there, and they always get saved. Like, without exception, I've never seen it not lead to someone coming to faith. So, you know, when we talk about worship, when we talk about instrumentation, um, even if a guy's playing, like, like Rage Against the Machine, uh, I, I take R.C. Sproul's take on that, that, 
you know, uh, if it's good music, it automatically glorifies God, regardless of, of what they're saying. It's the talent itself that glorifies God. Um, it's why the Catholics, and even in the temple, where God was like, hey, I want your skilled musicians, your skilled artisans, your, you know, your skilled weavers of fabric, your skilled gold workers and gilders. I want them to, to glorify me with their artistic talent. So we, we need to remember that. Yeah. You know, C.S. Lewis was like second rate lyrics set to third rate tunes. That was his summation of worship. I would love to see kind of a revolution in the work. I do think there's some good people out there doing some. I've recently tuned into um, Citizens and Saints. I know my ears be. Dude, talk up. But Speak up, bud. I don't know what's going on with my phone, man. Yeah, but, now you're uh, better. Now you're talking into the mic. Okay. So No, dude, the mic's on me. Like, it's, it's not moved. I don't know what's going on. But Citizens and Saints is a band that. I've recently discovered, and I'm years behind the curve on this, I'm sure, but they were good, you know, and I was listening, going to my wife, hey, this is good, I thought this was Thrice, and that's a band I, I like a lot, and they sound a lot like them, came, in, came out of Seattle, but um, yeah, I think if you if you have a worship band who's good, um, that's fantastic, but you also have to make sure, and this is where I think it comes back to what Matt Redman brought around years ago, I need to know that we're still singing Jesus. Yeah. I need to know that if you strip all the music away, I have to know that if the spirit of God is in the room, we can still worship him. We can still do this without all that. If I don't feel that from a worship leader, like this is, this is not the main course. This is just the salt and pepper. You know, this is just the, the, the garnish. I need to know that the main course is Jesus himself. And that's something that I think you can't, duplicate that's why i'm saying like back to your core team if you set that kind of spontaneous very organic very natural atmosphere of worship where anyone can just kick off worship at any time it sets a pattern of what worship really is with that church and um the other thing that i would say um this is totally off topic but connected with worship one of the things that i'm going to be recommending with refuge long beach coming up is that they do a um, afterglow once a month. And I, I've told you guys that I, I, I used to do that because I had so many charismatic Pentecostals. We had Reformed, we had Evangel, it, it didn't matter. We had everybody um, back in Wales. But, you know, I had a stronger mix of charismatic Pentecostals there. And I had to have a kick out the jams night. And it would just be, that's what we call this, kick out the jams. Because they had stuff they wanted to do, like run around the room and, and, you know, have banners and flags and stuff. And I didn't care. Like, I would tell them, I think it's funny. You do that. I think that's really funny. Um, it doesn't do anything for me. But if you want to express Jesus like that, we'll have a night where you can do that. We won't bring any non-believers because we stick to the no crazy rule. But if that's what you want to do, we'll kick out the jams once a month. And it was great. And, it, and to be honest, the night never got crazy. It just got deeply spiritual. Mm. And and what I would say, I, just because I gave them the permission, but I, I would always be honest with my congregation. I tell them like, "Hey, I think you're funny when you do that. I'm gonna probably laugh at you, but you know, res- just know we're friends, and I trust that that's a beautiful thing coming out of your heart. But it just looks funny to me. Um, but you know, the the cool thing is, is I I want people if they feel they need to dance before Jesus to have that opportunity. If they feel they want to clap their hands, I mean. You know, you go to Hawaii. I remember speaking at churches in Hawaii. You used to get all the good gigs. Um, but they would hula dance to worship. Sure. I remember thinking, this is rad. You know, like, I love that different people express themselves differently. 
in worship. And I want people to be able to do that. But um, it's got, you know, I would say to all of you church planners, please don't just relegate worship to your Sunday morning service because you are doing your people a disservice. If you teach them by your actions and how you've structured things, that that's the place for worship. Have an afterglow. Have times of worship and prayer where the people can just come and it's just that. It's at the feet of Jesus time. And that's all we're doing and that's all we need to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So anyways, well, hey, I wanted to um, just kind of spend some uh, time, Pete, talking about and all that looking for worship leaders. And it's the same segue every time. All, all that looking for worship leaders, Pete. You know, teach your people about worship, planning these afterglows. Surely it doesn't lead enough time for, you know, things like planning your finances, tax exemption, doing your accounting. Does it, Pete? Well, you know, it's funny you should mention that because that's the exact same reason that we use SimplifyChurch.com because they take care of all of that junk work that we don't like to do. Plus, they even do worship leading for us, which is really... (laughs) A major benefit. Yeah, you know, they provide some of the best backing tracks. Complete. They have over 10 songs, Pete. And sometimes Josh Henry will do a live stream, and he'll just get there right in front of your church and lead mute worship. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, his, he's got plenty of assistants that do the backing vocals and a uh, little bit of tambourine every now and then, but that's an extra fee, of course. <laughs> tambourine. <laughs> And for those of you living in Southern California, we have maracas available, too, for an extra charge. Mm, Espanol. And that's at SimplifyChurch.com. Well, hey, this has been a podcast from Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to say anything other than that. It's just been a podcast, the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. Peyton Jones, Pete Mitchell, Church Planner Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach ones, nobody's reaching. Need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 